polarized opinions expressed on the internet would be censored. We are live. We are live. This is real. Welcome back to Unauthorized Opinions, uopod.com. Like, share, subscribe. It's pure propaganda and it's super cringe, by the way. I literally went to the polls with nothing in mind. I saw a can of orange soda in the parking lot. And <laughs> I was like, yeah, there we go. An unopened can of orange soda just chilling <laughs> in the parking lot. I was like, yeah, I got to vote for Trump, dude. Your podcast sucks it's mental mate it's absolutely mental i'll be honest i thought it was kind of offensive when you talk so much about the loch ness monster political climate and andrew treat yourself okay especially if you start i don't know getting getting in good with homeless people unauthorized opinions streaming everywhere at uopod.com it's super bowl Sunday. There we go. Screen was full screen. It's Super Bowl Sunday. We're all excited for the Toyota Super Bowl. That's where 11 Toyotas line up against each other and smash into each other. Unauthorizedopinions.com. We've got so much to get to today. YouTube, Twitter, Rumble. We love all of you. We're calling it X now. If you're listening on Spotify, Google, or Apple Podcasts, we also love you. Don't forget to leave a five-star review as the greatest podcast of all time. Don't forget to go to the Patreon, which is growing every week, which has more bonus content. The bonus podcast is there. The bonus material is there. The bonus streeters are there. The bonus interviews are there. You get it all. And what you get with President Biden on Super Bowl Sunday is you get dementia. Now, I just got a post pulled on Instagram for being mean, so I should be more more careful about how I describe certain folks. We're not... I, we can do a live monetization check on YouTube. And then as I click on the page, we are demonetized on YouTube. So we'll go ahead and request a review as we do every week. Maybe it was the word dementia that came in through real time in the algorithm. But we've been demonetized as we're speaking. So we've got to challenge it on, on both, you know, both accounts that we're going through unauthorized opinions. And Andrew says, so... Joe Biden, of course, had this review come out of him. And it's not so much as a review as it is some internal documents, some some classified docs, as you will. Basically, what happened is when they found out Joe Biden had classified documents in his garage, his garage, if you're a Frenchman, you might say. You can see it here. Let's just go ahead and get the big picture there. You know, he's got a box on Afghanistan over here. He's got a cabinetry of Senate documents over here. And we go back to the article. You know, cabinets, boxes, in his garage, he's got an office full of drawers of classified documents. And so what happened was they interviewed him when this happened, because you know it was this huge fiasco with Donald Trump having in the Mar-a-Lago in Florida as well. And they interviewed him, and he couldn't remember things. He couldn't remember... You know, when he was vice president a couple times, he couldn't remember his son's uh, the year his son died. And they said, you know, we could put him in char- in, in front of a trial, in front of a jury. But the jury is just going to say, hey, this is an old man who means well, but he just can't remember where he puts the classified documents. God bless him. And you might be thinking, OK, well, isn't that good for them because he won't get charged with anything then? But the answer to that is no, because he's the president. 
El Presidente, if you're familiar with butter commercials. That's not good for El Presidente because that means you have a president who can't remember things. And when you're going to talk to President Xi Jinping, that's not even a joke, when you're going to talk to Big Ping and you can't remember what your trade deal is with him or you can't remember who he is, for example, that's not a good sign. So Joe Biden was very upset at reporters who were, who were questioning his memory, but there's an article here in the New York Post about this interview that they conducted with Biden. They found um, that he didn't remember lots of stuff, and even when he was talking to his ghostwriter named Mark Zwanitzer in April 2017, three months after leaving the vice presidency, he had these official records, and he said that he didn't want to turn them in. Now, they had a bunch of audio recordings from this interview with Biden and the biographer, I'm guessing. I mean, I, I'm not surprised that Joe Biden can't write. <laughs> He's 6,000 years old. Maybe he writes in hieroglyphs or something like that. But the audio from this interview with Biden, they had him, or I shouldn't say they, but th this guy deleted some of it, and he said, I'm not going to say how much of the percentage it was of my motivation, that meaning it wasn't his idea to delete them, or he's at least he's not going to say that how much of it was his idea to delete them after they, they said they were going to put an investigation into this. So basically, they started going through these these audio recordings and finding the sort of stuff that he said he, he didn't want to turn them in. He's giving these documents to this uh, biographer or ghostwriter, whatever you call him. And he also gave note notebooks. Authorities also found information in the notebooks that remain classified up to the top secret level include sensitive compartmented information, including from compartments used to protect concerning human intelligence sources. So giving up their secret agents or their informants overseas, for example... Again, they get into all the stuff in there. Um, and here's where they say it's not good to put him on trial. At trial, Mr. Biden would likely present himself to a jury, as he did during our interview with him, as a sympathetic, well-meaning man, elderly man with a poor memory. Isn't that someone you want for your president? He's just a well-meaning old chap with a poor memory. Let's feel, you should feel, a jury's going to feel bad for President Biden because he's just an old guy who can't remember where he put the classified documents. God bless the United States of America. Now, there's more to this. This is the information which he couldn't re remember and essentially said, you know, he's not really mentally fit. He's got a lot of memory problems. Biden did not remember when he was vice president. Huh. Forgetting on the first day of the interview when his term ended, if it was 2013, when did I stop being vice president? And forgetting on the second day of the interview when his term began, in 2009, am I still vice president? That is 2009 and 2013. He became vice president in 2008 and then officially starts it 2009 on Auguration Day. So Obama gets elected in 08. Then on the first day of 2009, he's vice president. And he says, am I still vice president in 2009? <laughs> and then in 2013, he's not sure if he's still vice president, even though he was vice president for another three to four years after that, depending on when it was said. So not a good whole 
interview here for President Biden, when on the first day these people are interviewing him, he can't even remember when he was vice president. They went on to say he did not remember even within several years when his son Bo died, which is May 2015. And his memory appeared hazy when describing the Afghanistan debate that was once so important to him. Among other things, he mistakenly said he, quote, had a real difference, end quote, of opinion with General Carl Eikenberry, when in fact Eikenberry was an ally whom Mr. Biden cited approvingly in his Thanksgiving 2009 memo to President Obama. I'm not going to pretend to know anything about General Carl Eikenberry, except he sounds like some sort of villain in a serial-related cartoon TV show. But the fact that he didn't even know within several years of when his son died is kind of a big thing because he is always arguing this point. He's always talking about and bringing up his son when he's talking about his family and how much he cares about them and his son Hunter and about how much he cares about the dealings overseas and the troops over there. So it's really weird that he doesn't even remember it. Now, this isn't the only story Joe Biden can't remember, if we recall. He's got memories about, you know, the kid swimming up against his legs. And I forget what the guy's name is, Cracker Jack or whatever, uh, Pickle Barrel, whatever the guy's name is he talks about getting into scuffle with. He's got stories about the first time he told his son about gay marriage. He's got all these types of different stories that he basically makes up on the spot and and misremembers over the year, years. So even if they are real stories, every time he tells them over the past 20 years, he misremembers them, which really goes to show you that he's just making things up in the moment, depending on who he's talking to and what he's talking about. There's there's more stuff. He's got the old treadmill in the garage, a bunch of FedEx containers. Um, here's one of the one of the boxes with classified information in it. White House lawyer Richard Sober chided Hoor, Hoor being the guy who, um, we'll scroll back up to the top, they said who Hoor is, <laughs> which is an interesting name. He's a special counsel, Robert Hoor, found in a bombshell report. So we'll go back down. Where to go? Sensitive records. Oh. There we go. A Thursday afternoon statement for including a number of inaccurate and inappropriate comments in the report. So Biden's White House is saying that was inappropriate of you without disputing the accuracy of the descriptions of the president. Although Biden's lapses in memory have been useful for avoiding criminal liability, they're likely to be a serious political problem as national polls already show large majorities of voters believe he is too old. If you're too senile to stand trial, then you're too senile to be president, said Alex Pfeiffer the MAGA and pro-Trump pack. Now, I didn't read that part of the article. Great minds think alike, you might say, but that's basically how I saw it, is even though it makes him not criminally liable, I guess he's the president, and it's kind of weird that you would fall back on him. Well, he's just too old to remember. So we've got some stuff here now, you know, citations, if you will, of Biden having a lapse in judgment or memory. I, uh... Um, anyway, <laughs> and I don't want to, I don't want to, well, maybe choose my words. I was just thinking, uh, 
anyway. You could really put the Vietnam flashbacks or the dog looking at the tray of cookies and into any of these clips. I just, look, I mean, <laughs> Who's kleptocracy? Uh, uh, yeah. It was in February, February uh, January, after we got elected. <laughs> the late January, early, early February. He said, um, but, uh, "Is that sound real? I mean, that's some. Some of these moments were longer and more Mitch McConnell-like than I remember." It's not, we need, uh, not just, uh, well, I won't go into it. Here's what drives the driver uh, in the <laughs> states that are affected. Here's what the, you can do, the drivers. Uh, I, uh, for two reasons. One, to, it's an impact an impact the decades been making because inaction was uh, there was inaction the, uh, with with the department of uh, uh, with from this is really sad I mean a lot of this is him starting a thought not realizing what he's saying trying to continue the thought and maybe there's three or four bounce rounds in his brain where he thinks this is going to come to me at some point and then it doesn't. So he just kind of moves on to the next thing. And a lot of the times the next thing isn't even there. So he's about three or four sentences down the road and he just skips it and then realizes where he is again. I think, I think that's what's happening from, uh, uh, Char- excuse me, from Charlotte one, another line going from in Florida down to Tampa. The best way to get something done. If you, if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to, <laughs> anyway. The idea that, um, and, and, and Joan, Shengang, Shenga, We're two minutes in to five minutes of this, by the way. I don't know how much longer we can go with this. Let's go. Let's try to get another 30 seconds of this. This is painful to watch. But uh, there's, you know, there to be, you know, beginning uh, this effort. Uh, and uh, and uh, I want you to know that uh, I want to thank you as well for uh, with the nature not on the... Uh, <laughs> America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was going to put him in uh, foot. Exactly. So what happens now? You almost, you almost, if you're a Republican supporter or something like that, or a Trump supporter, you almost don't want Joe Biden to leave office. He's got, what, seven months left before the election? Eight months, almost, just a little bit less than eight. You want him to be the person on the ballot against Trump. Trump's got, I'm going to say in the last 15 years or so, record polling in gaps between him and the other candidate. I don't know how much of a gap there was between, you know, uh, John Kerry (laughs) or or somebody like that, or Obama versus uh, Mitt Romney or something like that. But 
Trump has an extensive lead against Biden. You know, they're not going to get him on the on taking him off the ballot, which was clearly a desperate ploy. I don't know how much of you guys watched of the Supreme Court hearing about trying to take Trump off the ballot. But what the argument was for the lawyer in that was as soon as somebody does something that they consider an insurrection, then they're automatically off the ballot. And yes, this is going to sound like a crazy interpretation of the law, but this is what the guy from Colorado is arguing that the Supreme Court had to hear. That as soon as something like that happens, where it is determined that this person, in this case Trump, does something that you would consider to be, you know, election interference, an in, in insurrection, um, encouraging people, encouraging violence to stop a government proceeding. In that case, an election, obviously, a, a count certifying the election. The argument from this Colorado lawyer is that as soon as that happens, the person's automatically disqualified. And then you're just like, how can that be? And then the Supreme Court justices are acting like, how can anybody listen to a person, listen to a leader, listen to the leader of a country or a, a state, if from that very moment they are disqualified? So all of a sudden there's no leader or anything. So a really weird argument. And I think they should just let this run with this. Don't promote Biden being senile. Don't promote Biden not being able to remember anything. Don't promote this thing if you're a Republican looking to get Biden reelected. Because you don't want Gavin Newsom in there, jumped in there. I don't know how it's going to work, but you don't want Michelle Obama in there. Now, you might be saying they're not in any of the primaries and Joe Biden's already won or one or two. They're not going to put Marianne Williamson or RFK Jr. up there for him. They're not going to put, I hope they would put Chank up there. That would be amazing. It'd be a, an amazing debate with big old Chank from the Young Turks. But you know, they would just throw Michelle Obama or Gavin Newsom in there. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. I hope, like, honestly, if you want Trump to win, you would have to hope that it's not Michelle Obama because you, you would think she's got enough you know, good graces in the public eye to win. But you don't want this to happen. Just keep kicking the can, can down the road that is Biden. Just keep questioning their border policy and their cultural impacts and their energy usage in, in terms of their push for electric cars or that big old failure. Just keep pushing that stuff. Stay away from Joe Biden being too old. Because I have a feeling, like, this is Joe Biden's own government putting this report out on him. You know what I'm saying? So I have a feeling that they're trying to push for that seeing that as their only hope you gotta you gotta think a few steps ahead for the democrats they're pretty good at you know um plotting something in the distance over the long haul because they know their supporters are going to be there no matter what so it just sort of it just sort of benefits them to keep their uh keep their eye on the ball way in the distance way in front of them because Republicans and conservatives do react and they react very strongly to things and it's not too difficult for them to be able to predict things that are going to happen in the future and just plot for that because they play the long game. Communists love playing the long game because eventually they're just going to get you. Eventually they're just going to throw out that that 15 foot cane and pull pull them off stage. So that's what I think they need to go there with Biden. Um and it would benefit the Democrats to completely push by now and be like, hey, I guess he's I guess he can't be president anymore. But it's not going to be Kamala 
Because nobody likes Kamala. Kamala Harris has the same flubs as Biden with no excuse of being 84 years old or whatever he is, 81. Kamala is just, you know, mentally pudding, let's just say. She she has a fake laugh. They had to hire child actors to speak with her to make her seem interesting and personable. She can't speak without laughing nervously through the entire interview. So I think... Push it down the road. Try to get to the election with Biden and Trump, and things are probably going to go well. I wanted to talk about, pause, breathe in. I wanted to talk about this video game that came out. Why do I want to talk about this video game called Stellar Blade? Am I going to play it? Probably not. But it is a good point in the culture wars here, in cancel culture that there is a game developer who is standing up against you know gamergate claims if you remember that from years and years ago sexism in video games and we need to make unattractive characters well there's this video game developer in japan or sorry in korea he's a korean guy i don't know if he's in japan but he is rejecting these claims that his characters are sexist now you can see the character here um i'll go ahead and bring up you know a bit of the trailer here that that they've got going it's called um stellar blade you're basically this japanese warrior woman it's an rpg i don't know much about the game other than the fact that they've designed her now this guy in interviews he's gone ahead and said you know we're focusing on the backside of this character because that's what you look at all the time and you know he he's got no shortage of inspiration from that angle let's just say because this is what this guy does um, but the feminists, and yes, the feminists are still out there for some things. They, they permeate through video games. It seems they are still being like, this is a sexist character, right? I play stellar blade for the plot. This person says, and like, oh my God, it's a CGI woman on the surface of it. You're accusing people of, of wanting to look at cartoon women. Like, is this a serious gripe in your life that you don't want nerds to be able to look at <laughs> cartoon women now this is the real woman here so their their argument that this is a sexist thing to do to design a woman this way it pretty much goes out the window when it's a real woman because you know feminists love to do this claim where they say it's unrealistic body body types right and unrealistic and unattainable things but when you are using an actual person you can't really argue that like if a, if you're calling like a, a a video game sexist um what's one that they uh, laura croft and in the new laura croft you just literally use angelina jolie who is in the movie you can't really say well this character's sexist because of the way she looks it's actually just a real person it's not some weird depiction of a woman that's cartoonish, right? And and here's the body scan and the um you know, the motion capture they're doing of this girl and there's there it is the finished product. So, it's really weird that they're they're claiming this because it's modeled after a real woman. And again, this is the woman here. She goes by some weird name, I don't know her real name, Love Zenert, but as you can see, she's a very obviously real person. Now there's a guy who was so against this. He he's so hurt by this game and and his name's Kareem jo Kareem Jovian. He seems to be some sort of video game journalist. But this guy is so hurt by this. 
he's got 1.3 million views on this video that he is going around crusading that this is sexist. It's 2024 here, and this is a guy hit, hitting the streets of New York to try to prove that a video game character in a, in a video game is sexist. One of the more desperate things you're going to see all year, and we're only in February, an adult man going around asking women in New York with green hair, and we'll see other dyed-haired people, and he's, he's being, isn't this sexist? Does this even look like the girl? The Stellar Blade! She looks 14. And with the side ponytail too, girl. She needs a bow. She looks like she's 16. Oh, hell no. It looks nothing like her. It's like two different people. It's perfectly fine to have an animation style, especially in a game. But when you're appropriating someone else's image and then changing <laughs> it, it becomes an issue. She appropriating somebody else's image and then changing it as if they don't have this girl's permission. I'd like to remind everybody watching that this game isn't out yet. <laughs> this guy's he's showing them pictures on a piece of paper of this character and be like, can you believe this good, this character in this game? And as you'll notice, he's asking unattractive women and gay guys. She needs a little bow and she's on her way in to middle school. I just don't get her at all. Like that nose. The nose is very different. Yeah, that nose is definitely not. So two obese women sitting at a skate park or by a fountain of some some sort are getting triggered by a cartoon woman. That's what that's the reality. And this is the this is the venture this guy is on. Asian, that's she's Asian. They took a white woman and supplemented some white woman DNA into this girl uh. to make her a little more white. Cause that is not what I just saw. She just looks bland to me. How old do you think this character looks? A lot younger. I don't know, like they took away like what was unique about her. If you're working on the physics of the way her body moves rather than the physics of the actual game, which you can see in there does not look great, uh, that's, that's how you know that you've messed up. <laughs> that's how you know you've messed up. If they're working on the physics of the character in the game, and you can see by the screenshots that I've printed off here that the physics aren't very good, video game red-haired dyed British girl expert on games. You can see that they haven't done a good job here. What is this guy doing? Does anybody know? Like, does this guy have any friends? Do you know any guys like this? Did Do you know? Like, this is what liberalism is. And forget if you're a Republican, Democrat, whatever you are. But nobody is, no guy is actually a liberal. Not in real life. It's all a show. No person, no guy that you've ever met with guy friends or that plays video games has ever thought, you know what? This character in this game that I don't have to play, it's a very big internet out there and you'll never see it if you don't play it. This character in this game is sexist and it's so sexist that I'm going to print out screenshots of this game, which hasn't come out yet and go around New York central park or something like that and, f and, and find women and virtue signal to them and say, hey, don't you agree that this is sexist, what they're doing here? You've got one girl saying it's racist, even though, you know, it's Asian people who made it and scanned an Asian woman. You've got other women saying that the physics don't matter. And you've got guys saying, well, you're misappropriating her, her likeness. That's it. This is a legal argument. Seems like they're over-sexualizing her. He's with... Listen to this. Did I... Did I? Did we actually see that? Jesus. 
<laughs> Seems like they're over-sexualizing her. Yeah, definitely. They're over-sexualizing her. He's standing next to a woman with a mullet who who's dressed in, you know, what looks like a dress shirt and a tie. Over-sexualizing her. Stellar Blade. That's the title of a game that would do this. <laughs> that's the title of a game that would do this. I think it's just men that's never touched a woman in their life not knowing what the fuck they look like. And so they're like, this is what women in my video games always looked like. So why are we changing it? It's like, because it's not real, bro. You're living in a fantasy. Wake up. This isn't the Matrix. It's not real. A girl, an obese girl with green hair says it's not real. This is the argument. And this guy knows this. He stands there and he's like, oh yeah, say it, sister. <laughs> Screaming from the rooftop. He's sitting, standing there knowing that this is based off a real woman. But it's not close enough. We haven't, we haven't made the 3D rendering of this woman close enough. I'm going to stand up for women. Now, I'm going to throw some other things out there. And you're not going to know what side I'm on. Except for this part's actually hilarious. So this company that he works for, the, uh, the game developer, and we'll get to him in a second... But he works for this company called Shift Up. And I think it was last year. We're trying to get a date on this. August 2023 of some kind. They were accused of firing women for being feminists. And this is hilarious. This is a woman. Her account doesn't exist anymore. A screenshot of what she said. Boycott Stella Blade, which is not a not a beer. It's supposed to be Stellar Blade. The company that made the game, Shift Up, removed the work of two women because they were, in all caps, feminist. I'm a victim and former employee of this game company. So, allegedly, they fired two feminist women for having a problem with the way these games are made. Which makes no sense because this company and this guy, you know, let's jump over to this guy's profile. He's got an an anime profile picture. He's got an anime banner picture. Excuse me. He's an illustrator, game developer. And this is his media page. Reminder that this is his media page. And these are the things you can see without, you know, seeing what's age restricted. So he's got some animes here. He's even got some more animes. He's even got pictures of women that are, you know, anime on real women, it looks like. It's hard to tell these days with AI. Lots of restricted stuff. Lots of anime. A lot more. This is a buff anime girl eating spaghetti or something more anime maybe some clips from some movies or something a controller and more and more restricted content and anime so obviously you kind of know what you're getting with this guy and does this woman you know the green-haired gargoyleish woman have a point in saying you know this is what men who don't get women are fantasizing about yeah it pretty much is that is what, I mean, I'd have to imagine the reason why he makes this stuff. And he went out and made comments. He said, I don't think it should be realistic. I think this is an adult game. So you can't really say that it can't be for, um, for adults. And you can't really sit, tell me what to do when it's adult content. I don't want to see somebody who's who looks like me. I want to see something that's better than me. All these arguments people make for media. And, and of course, there's a point there to be made that obviously... He wants to see this, and people who play that game would like to see that. But on the other hand, you could pretty much... It's safe to assume, of course we don't know, but it's safe to assume that this woman, she thinks sex work is real work, and she thinks OnlyFans 
is a valid way to make an income and should be respected. So it's really contradictory these viewpoints where you say these uh these Korean this Korean guy Kim Hyung Tae is his name this Korean guy shouldn't be able to make this game or it's bad of him to make this game but at the same time a man could be a woman and take her place well whilst looking like a stereotypical woman to the best of his ability of course or women should be able to do sex work and do stripping and do pornography, but we can't have people making their own versions of that. You see what I'm saying? It's bad for a guy to want to fantasize about something like this, but it it, it but the real woman is allowed to do this, and a guy pretending to be a woman is allowed to do this. So, so this is ba- the only reason for this is because of something they can't control. They can't control video game players and video game developers overseas in Japan and South Korea for making a game that they want to make. But they can control you saying this this guy looks like a woman, or they can say you can't say anything about these people doing their own like amateur. Only fan sort of stuff. You can't criticize that. But it's only because that's stuff that's within their realm of control. They own it. They they have their drag bars. They have their their um, you know foot fetish websites and and only fans. But something that's like operated by men who get to decide what they want to do with it. They can't have this. And this is you know she says this is lonely men doing this. It very very well may be true. But this is what a lonely woman does. Something that doesn't include her that she can't control she lashes it out at that because she can't control it she needs control if she can control what you can watch and like then all of a sudden she becomes a commodity right if she can say you're allowed to look at the the guys who have the have their penis chopped off and you're allowed to look at them and, and think they're attractive women even though we all know they aren't um you're allowed to look at that and um you have to celebrate me doing my internet uh, amateur pornography sort of thing. You have to look at that, and I have to be applauded for that. I have to be applauded for being an obese woman. I can control all that, and all of a sudden, I'm a player in the marketplace. You see what I'm saying? If you control the marketplace, then you can hoist yourself up to be a cash cow in it. But if all of a sudden, you get these men, these disgusting pigs, and um, uh, probably oppressors, probably racists, right, over there in, in South Korea, like she said. They've just taken this woman that doesn't exist from the Matrix, and they've whitified her. Then we can't have that. We can't have them making their own decisions, because all of a sudden, green-haired woman with giant earrings hanging out with a 400-pound lady in the park. All of a sudden, we can't compete. We can't compete against your cartoons because it's unrealistic. That's what she's saying. Is like you're making something unrealistic that I can't compete with, even though it is a real thing. So you need to. Your field is over here. You can only deal with uh, transgenders, the fatties, the women doing pornography. That's these are your choices. So all of a sudden, I'm in play here. If you start going over here, where it's a uh, uh, anime women who actually scanned it out of real women and, you know, women who aren't 600 pounds. That's unfair. That's oppressive. That's racist. That's sexist. It's all these other things. Patreon.com. Perfect segue to Patreon, you guys. Perfect segue. Patreon.com is where you can find the latest bonus podcast every single week. As you can see there, we're talking about Bud Light on that podcast. We're talking about a serious chat with Uncle Hat 
uh, Uncle Hack a few days ago. That's exclusive to Patreon right now. We're talking about um, the full bonus podcast with John Doyle, Red Eagle Politics, and Vince Dow, superstars all across the world. And we're also talking about podcasts with Anomaly. And of course, you get advanced screenings of the streeters that I do and stuff like that. The comedy will have another one of these in a couple weeks exclusively on Patreon ahead of its release uh, weeks in advance. This one's been up for four or five, four days now. It's not coming out till this Wednesday. So patreon.com slash uopod. We're growing every single week. So we need your guys' support. As I said off the top of the, the show, we got demonetized just like minutes in. And we have to challenge every demonetization and with that comes obviously no earnings from youtube so we rely on patreon to keep this podcast going otherwise we are literally if we just do it like a liberal thing we are literally going to die if you don't subscribe to the patreon this week that's basically the long and short of it coming back now to you know we can we can go to his anime page this guy if you'd like um, <laughs> it, that's that's the thing about it, right? This guy is. I was gonna say clearly, but probably way too into drawing these things. But it's also his job, so can you really blame him for that? I don't know. But like I said, there's a point to be made in terms of what this guy's doing, and you know how it's kind of like nerdy and stuff. But why aren't they allowed to have it? Why aren't the the nerds allowed to have it? It's a very good question that I'm not capable of answering. There is a Marvel actor. He was in Eternals. You know, I, I didn't know his name until I I saw this about him. He talked about entering therapy recently because people didn't like his movie Eternals. Now, the thing about this guy is, is that he thought that masculinity sucked. He thought that... Um, Trump man bad, orange man bad, anyone who supports him is toxically masculine. And now he's not now he's not able to deal with the fallout that has come from that that has come from being a warrior in the woke wars if you will. So uh Kumail, what's his name? Kumail Nanjani in 2019, I think this is, and we're about to see a shirtless photo of him. In 2019, he's talking about how he's preparing for this role in Marvel. He says, I never thought I'd be one of those people who'd post a thirsty shirtless. I mean, obviously, you've always wanted to, but I've worked way too hard for way too long, so here we are. I mean, this is a woman's post, like right off the bat. It's just like, I don't want to post this, but I'm going to do it anyways because I actually do want the attention, but I didn't want to. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become a villain. I mean, that's a that's a uh, Batman. I'm pretty sure. Or is that Spider-Man? I think it's Batman, which is DC, which is a betrayal to Marvel. I found out a year ago, I was going to be in Marvel's Eternals and decided I wanted to transform how I looked. I would not have been able to do this. if I didn't have a full year of the best trainers and nutritionists paid for by the biggest studio, blah, blah. Right? So he's happy that he's jacked. No problem with that. The problem is in a year later, once Trump gets elected, or, or sorry, during the Biden, Trump election point one, 2020, I guess this is slightly after Biden won December 10th. He saw, he, he said that Trump supporters are basically a disease. Masculinity is a disease. He says now somebody was posting. Why do men stick with Trump in 2020? 
The pandemic may have given him a way to reach more masculine men. Many of those men like Trump's shrug it off approach. But Nanjani, in a, as you can see in many of these instances, they delete these tweets because they can't stand by them. Nanjiani retweeted the post about men who voted for Trump and added his own commentary that appeared to be an insult to male Trump supporters. The tweet read, traditional masculinity is a disease. Now, I don't know if he forgot what he posted on, on Instagram or if he just had a lapse in judgment there. But basically, this guy said, look at how jacked I am. I'm so proud of it. I got all these nutritionists. I wanted to be a superhero and I wanted to be a buff guy about it. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Superheroes are supposed to be in shape because they're super literal superhumans. But then a year later, he's just like, well, traditional masculinity is a disease. Well, guess what superheroes and being jacked is? Traditional masculinity. Why didn't you just say I'm getting this movie for Marvel? I'm going to be a superhero and I'm going to show that, you know, you can be a transgender, bisexual, non-binary person who's 250 pounds and in a polygamous relationship. We are Mormon. We have sister wives. And this is just the new superhero. Why didn't he just do something completely non-masculine for his role? Because then he comes out and says traditional masculinity is a disease. Well, it turns out he could use some traditional masculinity because now he's saying people didn't like his movie so much that he got triggered by it. He, he said he had trauma from it. He was on Men's Health magazine. He was posting this stuff on Instagram. And, and then he says Marvel thought that the movie was going to be really good, really well reviewed. So they lifted the embargo early and put in some fancy movie festivals. They sent us on a big global tour to promote the movie right as the embargo lifted. But it's been really, really hard. I'm too aware of the negative reviews, and I read every one of them. So much so that he began acting unfair to his wife. So this guy's lashing out at his wife because he didn't like the reviews he got. Going to be the coming out party. I worked so hard for this. And everything's heightened. Your anxiety in life, everything's kind of like, and now this happens. Everything's heightened. And... um. I don't know. I mean, I think that there was some weird soup in the atmosphere for why that movie got slammed so much. And I think not very much of it has to do with the actual quality of the movie. Anyway, it was really, really hard. And that hear that, though, it's not the moviegoers fault or sorry. It's not the movie's fault. It's not the quality of the movie. It's the viewer's fault. People didn't like it. It's not the movie's fault. It's not the movie that was shit. It's actually your fault. It's del- it's California delusion here. I was like, hey, this is unfair to me. It's unfair to Emily. I can't approach my work this way anymore. Some shit's got to change. And so very intentionally, I did start counseling. I, I, I talked to, I still talk mm-hmm. to my therapist about that. I would, Emily says that, you know, obviously. That, Emily that, says. <laughs> that I do have trauma from it. I actually, oh. Emily and I just got dinner with someone else from that movie and we were like, man, that was tough, wasn't it? He's like, yeah, that was really tough. I think we all went through something kind of similar. And then this guy... I mean, I guess this this is true for his claim that traditional masculinity is a disease because he can't handle this. So if somebody doesn't like your movie, there have been more poorly received movies than The Eternals, I guarantee you this. Have you heard of what Captain Marvel... But he's right. Traditional masculinity, if if it's a disease, then he is allergic to that disease, immune to that disease, because he he gets bad reviews. And I guess it's supposed to be your big break. I'm not saying you're supposed to just not have any feelings towards it at all. But to get these bad reviews and then 
lash out at your wife or be unfair to her his wife as he called it and then seek therapy and then listen to your girlfriend tell her or your wife tell you that you have trauma from it and then get therapy after that and go get dinner with someone who's like oh my trauma my trauma child i mean yeah you're right that's not masculine at all <laughs> and isn't this so california to sit in a podcast with michael rosenbaum who is on the uh, the Superman TV show and be like, oh, my trauma and have him not make fun of you for this. Do you ever watch some content from California with men in it and be like, this is this is how you can tell they're from California because they don't know how pathetic they're being as men. And it's fine. You can make fun. of. I'm giving everyone permission to to make fun of men as much as they want. Everyone watching at home or on their phone, if a man does not have, you know, a death in his family, if he's not suffering from a disease, if there's nothing like, you know, ostensibly and clearly, you know, objectively wrong from an outside source in his life, you can make fun of him for whatever you want, okay? It's fine. This guy is is getting a big Marvel movie and he gets big and buff for it. And he's like, look at how jacked I am, you guys. And masculinity is a disease and Trump supporters are losers. And then when people criticize his movie, he's like, uh, uh, shut up, bitch. <laughs> he's like freaking out on his wife uh, because people are giving him bad reviews. And then he's having trauma from the bad reviews. And he's got to change his whole lifestyle around because of people didn't like his movies. That's a California guy thing. That's a Seattle guy thing. Probably not even a New York thing. That's a Portland guy thing. You can you need to be made fun of for that because you're giving shit to your wife. You're t- you're now shelling out thousands of dollars for a therapist all because people were mean online to you. That's a problem. That's a huge problem. And and for and if there's any girls watching that's what they call a red flag for a guy, okay? And then for Michael Rosenbaum to be sitting there and be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, tell me more about your trauma from the mean comments. This is not how adult men actually operate. This is how California men think that they get ahead in life, just like the guy from New York. This is the the liberal weird mindset where you grow up thinking this is how to get people to like you, Okay. You, you go on, you talk about how emotional everything is. And you talk about how hurt you are and how wronged you have been. Either you're going out and asking women to agree with you that this thing's sexist, or you're going on a podcast and asking women to agree with you that people were so mean to you that you need a lifestyle change. Boo-hoo. You know, the, the money he made from this movie allowed him to sit there and think about his trauma and go to a therapist about it. Whereas other people, something bad happens to them. They they wake up in the morning. Oh, got to go to work again. Can't exactly talk about this with my therapist or, you know, uh, be unfair to my wife, whatever that means, because people, someone was mean to me. You go to work and you turn in some short, some sort of shit report and your board of directors is like, what the hell is this? This is one of the worst reports I've ever seen. Do you go to therapy for it? Do you say I got to change my whole life around? No, you pretty much just deal with it and move on. So for this guy to come out and be like, look at how look at how cool I am. I've got this movie. I got a nutritionist and blah, blah, blah. Everybody like me. I would never post anything like this. And then say my whole life's got to change because people didn't like my movie. And it's not actually the movie's fault. It's the viewer's fault. Well, 
I feel like this guy needs a stamp on his forehead that says wuss or something like that. Because this isn't how real men operate. And we've come to this point where people are so desperate for masculinity in the public sphere that they go to an Andrew Tate who's allegedly a hardcore Muslim guy who used to operate, you know, cam girl farms, uh, ha- have a group of cam girls at his behest, and that's how he made a bunch of money. That's how far you have to go to get masculinity these days in the public sphere. Camille Nanjani, who's paying, uh, playing a superhero, you can't even get that from a superhero. you got Chris Evans, who's Captain America, one of the wussiest guys, one of the biggest crybabies in the media. So don't be surprised by this guy coming out and crying and saying he had trauma because this is the type of people that they foster. You ever watch commercials and you notice that there's like an extreme glaring lack of masculinity in it and you're just like these, you know, there there's normal and then there's the women in the commercials, you know, like they're a little... They're a little bit lesbianish. They're a little bit dumpy. But the deviation between normal and the women they put in the commercials is way different than the normal man and the guys they put in the commercials. You know what I'm saying? Like you'll have women this far off from the de- de- this far off of a deviation, but then the guys will have they'll be like five foot five. They'll be 113 pounds. They'll be they'll be in mid tier in the commercial they'll have a beret on they'll be ordering their uber eats and then somebody will come to the door he'll answer on an electric scooter and say hey will you subscribe to my girlfriend's only fans those are the type of men that they're pushing out and that's because this is basically what happens in california is that they want the for some reason for whatever reason maybe it's because there's a lot less competition at the top when every guy is a frail feminist. But for some reason, everything they push out in California television and movies, obviously, is this push towards men being more feminine. It's pretty much how you destroy a nation. And that's why they don't want you to like sports. It's why the NHL has, you know, a diversity board. It's why football, they wanted you to accept kneeling. And we'll get to football in a moment. It's why they want UFC to censor their fighters, because for some reason they want you to prefer men that aren't masculine. Move out of the way, masculine men. We've got guys who are women. (laughs) Move out of the way, masculine men. We've got Kumail Nanjiani um, seeking therapy and changing his whole life around because people didn't like his crappy Marvel movie. Could you imagine that? You get this, I don't know, maybe, I'm going to assume it's between $1 to $2 million he got for this role. And then people didn't like the movie, so you're crying at home. I guess that's understandable. But then when it becomes too far, the therapy, and you're talking about it, come on now. That's all I'm saying. Let's just get a little bit tougher, California. I mentioned football, and it's Super Bowl Sunday. And the last thing we'll talk about is some of the most interesting Super Bowl conspiracies that I, you know, I'm not very familiar with and I haven't heard of. Um, We've got the whole Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey. He's Mr. Pfizer. He's got Mrs. Swift. The machine wants him to win. You know, everybody's saying that. Even though the, the Chiefs have won twice in the last four years, I think it is, including last year. But, of course, conspiracies are fun. And uh, the NFL logo conspiracy didn't pan out this year. That theory where the colors they use in the uh, logo for the Super Bowl denotes which teams are going to be in it. Didn't work out this year. It would have been the Baltimore Ravens. Instead, it's the Chiefs again. 
and the 49ers. Here's a couple conspiracies from the NFL that I haven't heard of before. That they were hiding Tom Brady's concussions. And this is from 24-7 Sports. Uh, we didn't expect in the first day of 2017, during a CBS morning show interview that occurred on May 17th, 2017, Tom Brady's then-wife, Giselle Bunshin, claimed Brady has a history of concussions and also that Brady suffered a concussion during the 2016 season. The Patriots never posted any concussions for Brady on official injury lists during the campaign, which has raised eyes among observers and those who feel the Patriots have violated the NFL rules over the years. In fact, it's never been listed um, that Brady has had a concussion throughout his pro career. Have they covered it up? Blah, 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 you decide. Now, this is true. I've never heard of Brady having a concussion. I've never heard of it. He had, I think it was his broken shin or something. He was out for an entire season once because of a tackle on the lower part of his shin. And I don't know if that was his foot, his shin bone, or his ankle, whatever it was, but he was out for a year. But for his wife to say back then that he has a history of concussions and that he suffered a concussion last year, you know, that never came out. If that's true, it completely Never came out, and I think that's that's pretty weird. Um, he doesn't exactly act like a guy with concussions. You can kind of tell when some people have had a lot of concussions. But then again, Brett Favre said he's had hundreds of concussions. We go down to the Baltimore Ravens against Colin Kaepernick, where the, the lights went out during the Super Bowl. Now, if you haven't heard this, the the game was close, and then the lights went out, and it took them something like half an hour to get the lights back on. The Ravens jumped out to 28 to six lead over the 49ers in the third quarter, probably leading some viewers to seek out other programming before the lights of the super went out. The power outage interrupted play for over half an hour and it gave the Niners an opportunity to regroup the San Francisco, San Francisco embarked on a rally that had come up just short, but the Ravens winning 34 31 couldn't quiet some conspiracy theories that claimed the plug had been pulled in an effort to keep fans tuned in and to stall Baltimore's momentum. Baltimore linebacker Ray Lewis even stated that he thought it was a bit strange that a zillion-dollar company would experience such a technical failure on that organization's biggest night of the year. He's not wrong. Now, what I heard, what I read about this conspiracy is that the lights were accidentally turned off or something like the they had an overload of the system and the lights go out. And the reason why it takes so long to get these lights back on because it's not like flipping on a light switch. When these lights go out, they don't just turn on, right? They take a while to charge up and get as bright as they are. So I don't know if it's the fact that you can't just flip them on or they'll burn out, or if when you turn them on, it actually takes 30 minutes to get all these gigantic lights going again or to the power going again, and they probably had to do some checks to make sure that the, the lights don't just burn out again. I don't know. But I remember reading about something like that at the time and the fact that they wanted Ray Lewis to win but they didn't want it to him to be so obviously the winner. You see what I'm saying? Like Ray Lewis had something like, I think it was 12 years or something between Super Bowls. This was his last year. And they miraculously made this run and won the Super Bowl. But they didn't want it to seem obvious. This is a conspiracy anyways. They didn't want it to seem obvious. So they pulled the plug. Now you might be thinking Colin Kaepernick, right? They wanted him to win or lose because of the kneeling. But this was pre-kneeling. See, Kaepernick was good for a couple of years. He made the Super Bowl. He was an athletic quarterback. But this is as close as he got, obviously. Never won the Super Bowl. And then after that, 
he shit the bed. Like he, he wasn't just this perennially good quarterback that they blackballed. That's what the story they try to make the story being right is that he was so good and he never got this other chance. Colin Kaepernick actually started sucking, got benched, and then that's when he kneeled. He needed the publicity. He never actually fully explained what he his remarks were, other than this is like a the country where people are oppressed by the police and the government and whatnot. He never expanded on anything. It was never forced to. Con- subsequently wore pig socks with cops, like cops as pigs. Wore communist t-shirts. Got different tryouts. Mocked them. Didn't show up. Changed the location. That sort of stuff. Colin Kaepernick sucks. There's no, there's not much more we can say about it. Colin Kaepernick is definitive in his sucking prowess. The last one I want to point out is a good one. Russell Wilson Super Bowl interception. And this conspiracy goes, it's a, it's a couple fold, I should say. So we'll read it here for you. It's years after the fact and still makes zero sense the Seattle Seahawks elected to pass the ball from the one-yard line late in Super Bowl Forty Nine against the Patriots. The Patriots secured a victory after quarterback Russell Wilson threw an interception in the end zone and multiple conspiracy theories were born. One involves Marshawn Lynch. You guys know Beast Mode in a lot of commercials, a running back, basically their star player. Could have been an MVP had he scored the game-winning TD. Lynch had a history for giving non-answers during interviews, particularly during the team's media day leading up to Super Bowl Forty-Nine. And the theory is that the NFL wanted Wilson to throw a TD so he'd be more of a media darling in the eyes of some, and Lynch would not be the MVP. Now, this is pretty much what Marshawn Lynch has said. He said that he heard that due to his uh, not wanting to do press and him saying, what did he say, um... I'm only here so I don't get fined. That was I'm glad I remembered that. But that was what he said. He showed up um, to interviews and post game press conferences, and he would say, "I'm just here so I don't get fined." Because he didn't like talking to the media. I mean, he did uh, eventually did a bunch of TV shows and commercials, so who knows? But he he kept saying, "I'm just here so I won't get fined." Now he said, "I think I, I'm this is a this is a summation of what I." I Recall him saying, right? Don't sue me, anybody. But he he thought that, you know, such and such, Pete Carroll being the coach, got a call down or maybe the offensive coordinator from ownership that said, if it comes down to the wire, don't put the ball in his hands unless we absolutely have to. So I think that was on second down. I'm not sure. It might have been first down and goal because they made this crazy catch at like the five-yard line where Buddy's on his back and the ball gets tipped and he catches it while he's on his back. And everybody's like, oh my God, the Patriots are screwed now. After Tom Brady just went and got an amazing touchdown, amazing drive. And now the the Seahawks come back immediately the other way, get this amazing catch. And now I think they're on the, the three-yard line or something. I don't know if it was first or second down, excuse me, for not knowing. But they didn't run the ball. That's why I think it was first down, because they didn't run the ball. And... What do they do? They immediately go for a pass, which was insane. Like, I'm not saying this isn't the right thing they should have done, but it was insane that they didn't give the ball to Marshawn Lynch. They pass the ball, interception, guy named Malcolm Butler, takes it out of the end end zone to the three, it's down, it's over, right? What people don't really know is that if you watch some of the the behind-the-scenes stuff, like the road to the Super Bowl, I forget what it's called, they follow all the teams, but the, the one that they put out for the Super Bowl championship team every year for the Patriots is 
The week before the Super Bowl, the Patriots were practicing that exact play. You know, obviously Belichick and Brady geniuses in the playbook sense, right? Belichick had his defense and specifically that guy practicing that defense of that play for the week leading up to that. They had seen the Seahawks run this play before to try to get a touchdown in close yardage of the end zone. And, you know, that leads more credence to to the fact that that was not a slight on Marshawn Lynch, but rather something that they had planned to go to all along because the Patriots knew about that play. They knew that they had run this play to try to score a touchdown in close proximity to the end zone before. So they had Malcolm Butler practice this play where he undercuts the receiver and goes in between the receiver and the quarterback to undercut it for the interception. That's exactly how it played out. He undercut the pass. He was there. They passed it pretty much blindly. Because this is what they've been doing on this play. Butler catches it. Game over, Seahawks lose. Those are some of the best conspiracies, I think. Now, there's other conspiracies out there, particularly with Marshawn Lynch. I remember seeing a image of purporting that Marshawn Lynch was putting his thumbs up, that he wanted to be tackled or don't tackle me, something like that, which was literally just the way he was gripping the ball at the time, if you see the whole replay. There's other stuff that floats around on some of these conspiracy pages, and it's really bad because none of these pages really know about sports. And they tend to lend themselves to a self-owning and discrediting because some of these pages that I watch that have the NFL uh, fix conspiracies, they've actually taken footage of guys talking about, you know, rigging it jokingly and use that as evidence of them saying that they've rigged the game. You know, I'm pretty sure it happened in the NBA as well, where they said there was the script, but they definitely in the NFL, they've said there was a script they were supposed to follow. And some of these players, they go on shows and they go on podcasts and they say, yeah, that wasn't part of the script. And they all laugh about it because there's these claims out there. And then some of these pages go out and they use the footage of them saying this was a script and referring to a script as evidence that there is indeed a script. Maybe there is. They've outed gambling and fixing and rigging by referees in different sports, especially basketball, but maybe there's something to it. I don't know. I didn't want to come on here and talk about the Taylor Swift conspiracy. It's too obvious. Maybe it's true. Pfizer, Taylor Swift, Democratic fan, let's say. And, um, you know too easy i guess so i wanted to bring out some other ones thanks for watching unauthorizedopinions.com please subscribe the subscriptions are over the monetization mark we are now monetized on youtube for uopod.com so go ahead and go there and subscribe um but as i told you we get to monetize at the beginning of every podcast pretty much i think there's only been two ever where we haven't been and only two that we haven't won on appeal. But of course, that kills your reach. When they demonetize the video, when it first comes out, it kills the reach because they're like, hey, why would we spread around this video as much as one that can be monetized? That's YouTube's thinking. So please go ahead and subscribe. Please consider our Patreon at patreon.com slash uopod. All of our links are everywhere. Thank you on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. We'll get some more guests on you. Uh, on here for you soon. Right now, we've got tons of content on Patreon. Like I said, comedy clips coming out very soon this Wednesday on YouTube and then a couple weeks after but on Patreon you get it all first or you get it exclusively see you guys enjoy the Super Bowl I got the Chiefs tonight how much money am I going to win authorized opinions expressed on the internet would be censored 
Jordan.